Hey everybody, welcome back to the Tipsy Ghost. We're your tipsy hosts, Sarah, Sarah, and Lindsay. Hey guys. Hello. <laughs> did you like how I said that? And did Lindsay. You? Oh, so did you say it differently? <laughs> A little bit. Oh, thank you. A little bedroom voice. Sorry about that. What is new with you? I, <laughs> I have a genuine question. Well, Dr. Seuss. Yeah, I'm a poet. Yes. What have is you your guys genuine heard question? of the term fictosexual? Uh, is this like a new kink you're going to tell us about? <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared for this <laughs> kink. I no. need more shots. <laughs> I have not heard about fictosexual. Fictosexual, yeah. No, I've not. Fictional. Fictional sex. It, it sounds like fictional sex. <laughs> I'm going to go with yes. Okay. I was baffled by this, so it came across my Google News feed. I don't know why. (laughs) Stop there. Okay, I won't ask. Why is this um, ad targeted towards you? It's not an ad. It's a story from the the New York Post. Okay, okay. (laughs) So, reputable source. Google. I think. um, (laughs) Google and the New York Post. Okay. But, no, that's how I get my news. Like, I don't go on local news sites or even national news sites. I just go on Google and whatever's on my homepage is the news. I do that too. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I follow like some people on Instagram who give me the news, but I'm sure. Nice. Anyway, so this one I was actually interested in. It came up and it's a 30 or 38 year old man from Japan. I think okay. it's Japan. Um, he is married okay. to a, fic- a fictional pop culture character. <clears throat> She's. Uh, She's a 16-year-old with turquoise what? turquoise hair. No, 16-year-old already. Uh, no. Well, that's fictional. Why am I outraged by this? They had enraged <laughs> for this fictional 16-year-old. They had been dating for a decade, and then they had a... What? She was 10. F- Six. No, she's always 16. I was just going to say, maybe she didn't age, but... Uh, okay. Um, They got married in 2018 because... He was able to get a hologram of her, like an interactive hologram. I don't know how they interact, but an interactive hologram. Um, he spent about 2 million yen or $17,300 on the wedding uh, that his, his family did not attend. They are not supportive. They've been married for four years. But the really sad thing is that he can no longer speak to his wife, his hologram wife, because the tech company that was in charge of the upkeep, um, they they don't support her anymore. And so now she's just gone. So was she responding back to him? Like... Has he been talking to someone with IT for 10 years behind the computer? Behind the computer. I'm not sure. Oh, my god! And also, how is this legal to marry he, a robot, It says it's an unofficial ceremony. So it's an unofficial marriage. <laughs> so he's not married. Okay. He thinks he is. He's He's been unofficially married for four years. This reminds me of like that TLC show, where, My Strange Addiction. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Where, where those he, people are married to like floaties. The blow up. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I totally know exactly. <laughs> so weird. Or where he made out with his car. Yes, yes. That's, that's what this guy. He belongs on this show. You need to watch that show if that story interests you. I think I should. <laughs> so apparently he's not the only person in a relationship with a character. <sighs> there are thousands of fictosexual people in Japan that Japan. have these kinds of relationships. <laughs> Japan, what up? Uh, you okay? <laughs> I just thought this was 
fascinating what's what? that um oh, the object love it's like object philia is that it that not it makes sense not a but clue. i don't know i hesitate to even ask what the sexual part is <gasps> oh, oh I my see the god picture. she looks like um one of those uh, is that the anime? hologram or anime. is that like the drawing of her uh i don't know it's not even a real person not that a hologram would be but you know That's like true. in las vegas where they it's have like, an like anime character holograms of Michael Jackson and stuff performing. Yes. I yes. was kind of picturing something like that, but that is an anime character. Oh, oh, oh she's tiny. <laughs> oh, it's a tiny. She's not a life size hologram. Like we're imagining. I was picturing a life size. <laughs> so it is a picture of him standing next to. It looks like a time capsule. It's a Barbie, like a it, it's anime like Barbie. A, it's like the size of a Barbie. Yes, <laughs> and it looks like it's in the the glass vase from like Beauty and the Beast. Yes, yes <laughs> only thirty nine people attended his wedding. Oh, well, I well, mean, that I would know. be more than that, that would attend mine. <laughs> In, so. Including strangers and online friends. Sure. That's what I need, yeah. online friends. The strangers, uh, let's be real, were probably people who were interested and like, like this can't be what? real. So yeah, that's a thing. That is kind of disturbing. That's sad. A little bit. It's not sad if it makes him happy. Well, no, I mean, well, like, it's, it's sad because it makes me think like he's starved for like, I don't know, connecting with humans. Could, could he have at least made her 18 forever instead of 16? <laughs> well, he didn't create her. She's not real. <laughs> There's no laws being broken. <laughs> he can't touch her. It's not. <laughs> she can't consent. <laughs> like, listen. Well, uh, it's like now him that being I've seen married to an size, object. <laughs> I don't know how anything would be happening there, but okay. Speaking of strange <laughs> things that we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah. What are we talking about tonight? Paranormal. This is great. <laughs> We're getting better. We're getting so good. <laughs> it sounds better whenever I'm not in it, is what I'm noticing. Oh, we want wow. you in it. Mm, I'll think about it. You guys did excellent, though. I mean, it's thank the you. deep inhale that triggers the response. Yes. That's how that We've works. been doing this yes. so well together. <laughs> we just know. We've got our true crime. We've got our paranormal tune. <laughs> and you do your own solo smorgasbord. I, I make it up as I go. <laughs> That's true. On the like smorgy smorgs. Yes, we are doing a paranormal episode tonight. I promise probably none of our stories will be as weird as that, though. Yeah. A little creepy. Yeah. <laughs> Not weird. I, you're right. I can't get up to the standard of... That sounded very judgmental. <laughs> well, it is. I'm, I'm judging that guy a little bit. <laughs> I mean, I'm sad for him. I think more than anything. I am also sad for his loss because he Not can no loss. longer be with his wife. I'm sad that he has that he had to connect oh, in that way. There's something missing there in his life. I am judging him. And <laughs> Sarah's like, I'm judging. I also kind of judged the people on um, the TLC show too. I can't help it. I do too, but I some of those stories on the TLC show, My Strange Addiction. Oh my god! Before we start, <laughs> do you remember the lady who carried around her husband's ashes? Oh my gosh! Why are you reading my mind? Because that's literally what I was going to say. And ate them. And ate them. I felt so sad for she her. She gets sad Ooh, and remember ashes. She yes. ate his ashes because she was so like in her grief. She take a finger, like lick it like a fun dip, <laughs> and stick it in there and <laughs> lick her finger. Up. That's how you taste test barbecue seasoning. <laughs> Not your husband. <laughs> the fun dip husband is what it was. The fun husband. It was very sad. That episode made me feel uncomfortable. Well, sad. there was, it was sad for the reason behind it, but girl, that cannot be healthy. No, no, not 100% not healthy. Is that technically cannibalism? I don't know, because he was ashes. 
It was like just dust. That is a good moral question. And she was really sad because there was only like this much left. <laughs> Analogy. I will never eat fun dip again. <laughs> oh, I will. I just won't pretend it's my grandma. <laughs> no. My grandma anyway. was fun, but not to dip in. <laughs> oh my gosh. How did we get here? Let's get back to paranormal. <laughs> I, okay. I'm having lots of feelings about this conversation right now. I am so sorry, I people. I didn't make it up. She went on TV and she recorded did. herself eating her husband. She did. Like a fun dip. Okay. Should she I did. spin? Let's yes, do that. please. Okay. Let's get on track. Here we go. We never are on track. <laughs> she builds the suspense because we can't see. <laughs> it's Lindsay. Yay! I was laughing too hard. Now I'm sweating. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. That is going to be the title of my autobiography. <laughs> All right. I am going to Scotland. Oh, oh have fun. Thank you. We are going to listen. I already warned them. I did not practice any pronunciation, so this is how it's going to go. Can't wait. We're going to talk about the haunted tombs of Greyfriars Kirkyard in Edinburgh, Scotland. You said that with so much confidence. I believe every word you said. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So Greyfriars Kirkyard is where one of the, you can tell that I just wrote this because I put the most bloodiest. The most bloodiest. (laughs) 47 acres in Scotland? (laughs) Where one of the bloodiest religious persecutions was carried out in the 17th century. So we're going to do a little bit of history first, and this was actually kind of fascinating. So, All right, so it was led by Lord Advocate Sir George Mackenzie, who I'm going to refer to as Sir George. Okay. No Mac. (laughs) Because later he gets a nickname. Return of the Mac once again. Okay. He gets the reputation of being called Bloody McKenzie, so I called him Bloody Mac. Oh, it's like a rapper name. That's cute. Yeah, the things he did was not cute. Oh, okay. So um, he was a Lord Advocate, which I Googled, is a judge. Oh, is he advocating for the Lord? No. No. Oh. The opposite. A Lord. What's the opposite of advocate? (laughs) Non-advocate. Disficate. It is. I keep thinking perpetrator, nine. and I don't like that word. I don't think that's right, but we'll get there. Okay. So, uh, a Lord Advocate, like I said, is a judge, and they are also a chief legal officer of the Scottish government and the Crown. So, they handle criminal and civil matters. And he was appointed by the king, who was King Charles II. So, this rebellion had been going on for years. There was a rebellion with the church and basically the king. So the Church of Scotland argued that only God could be head of the church, but the king was arguing that the king was head of the church. So this was obviously met with riots and protests all over Scotland. The king was trying to institute like a one religion for the entire country. So those who were opposing the king's rules created a national covenant so that it was basically the people of Scotland opposing him instead of just like individual people. They were being uh, orderly. Nope, not what I want to say. Organized. There it is. They were also being organized. An word. <laughs> <laughs> so they signed um, this document creating the National Covenant in 1638 in Greyfriars Churchyard. So then they became known as the Covenanters. Co- Covenanters. Covenant with ERS on it. Covenanters. That's all you got to do when you create a group? Just uh-huh. add ERS. We're the tipsy ghosters. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> 
All right, like so, so they declared that Scotland was loyal to the king, but that they would remain a Presbyterian country and not under the church of the king. Um, they were even sanctioned by the Scottish Parliament in 1640, so they were legit. And then the first English Civil War began two years later in 1642, and the Covenanters supported the parla- Parliament to depose of the king. Get rid of him. So Mackenzie. So he actually started his career defending these people, the Covenanters, but he was basically just trying to make his name out there, like, to get people knowing who he is. Once people start to know who he was, he switched sides and started defending the king and the Scottish church. So then he got on the king's good side, and the king appointed him to be the Lord Advocate in 1677. June 22nd, 1679, King Charles II declared a state religion again, and of course a battle broke out, which is known as the Bothwell Brig. It was intended to end the last of the Covenanters who refused to accept this new state religion. This battle ensued, and then Mackenzie, he basically gathers up the survivors and imprisoned them in Greyfriars Kirkyard, which ironically was the place where they had signed that whole agreement to be the Covenanters to begin with. All right, it was estimated about 1,200 uh, people were rounded up and imprisoned here. So like I said, they were in the Greyfriars Kirk um, Kirkyard, which is a graveyard in the Greyfriars Kirk Parish, which is owned by the Church of Scotland. So they were branded descendants and were horribly tortured. They were left outside 24-7. They were starved. They were dehydrated. They didn't give them any food or water. Many died of natural causes, but some, they were also, because of the torture, they succumbed to their injuries there. Um, when they died, they would behead them and put their heads up on the gates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was all done at the command of Mackenzie, which is how he became known as Bloody Mackenzie. Bloody Mac. Bloody Mac. All right, so he was previously described as a loving husband and father and was very well educated. He was a legal scholar and a published author. He hid his sadistic side so well that his wife never even knew of everything that went down in this churchyard. When these prisoners died, they were buried in the cemetery, obviously right there at the Greyfriars Kirkyard, exactly where they had been held captive. This period in time was known as the killing time, and it is estimated that during this whole period when they were fighting over the church and all of this, um, about 18,000 people died because Yikes. of it. That's all in the pursuit of just one religion. Wow. not crazy? That is crazy. So 1691, Mackenzie dies, natural causes, I believe, and he was buried in a casket um, inside a black mausoleum. Did I say that right? Mausoleum? Mausoleum? Mausoleum. Mausoleum. <laughs> mausoleum. I tried to say it fancy. <laughs> you, you succeeded. It worked. So he was buried in this tomb that was also located on the Greyfriars Kirkyard. So he was buried right where his war crimes were committed and right where all of his victims died. Interesting. And were also laid to rest. He probably hated that. I'm sure they both hated that. <laughs> so we're going to fast forward 300 years because nothing happened. Okay. 1998, a homeless man breaks into the tomb. And they said he was probably looking to steal something or maybe just looking for shelter because for th- <laughs> that's where I look for shelter. <laughs> Listen, maybe he was storming outside and he walked by a cemetery and said, look, a mausoleum. A mausoleum. A mausoleum. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was well vaulted before then so i'm not sure how he broke in and nobody really knows but he got in and so the way this tomb is described like it had stairs so it was like many bodies were in there including his so he gets to Mackenzie and tries to pry open the casket and a hole opened up underneath his feet and he fell 
like down through the chamber and like down into the ground. Like a sinkhole? It was like a sinkhole. Uh-oh. Wow. Do you want to know what was in that sinkhole? Oh, ooh, ooh. um, bodies. Bones. <laughs> Heads. Yes. Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> no, dragons. Damn it. <laughs> we were on a roll. <laughs> it was some fleshy soup. So fleshy soup. <laughs> It was a pit filled with the remains of plague victims. So, free meal. (laughs) Oh, God. The article I read said, like, he was literally, like, swimming in, like, decayed bodies that had, like, started to, like, liquefy. Fascinating. (laughs) I feel like Sarah's response there is more accurate. (laughs) No, like, over 300 years, you wouldn't think they'd still be liquid. More than 300 years because they said this was from the plague. So, they had dumped all these bodies in the hole. Like, back when they didn't have time to dispose oh, of the bodies. Mass grave. And then they built, like, stuff on top of it. <laughs> That's really gross. Wow. So this is, like, Black Plague, probably. It's giving times. it's giving um, Paris vibes. Mm-hmm. Those plague days are rough. Yeah. Like, <laughs> shit, what do we do with all these people? I don't know. Just dump them in here. So, um, not to worry, he was fine. He survived. You know, he's probably got some PTSD and some trauma. He's How did work anybody through. find him? He got himself out. Wow. He, he's just covered in flesh. He, he took a femur, two femurs, <laughs> and dug it into the, it like the sidewall. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Thank you. So, the day after this happened, someone is walking through the cemetery, Uh-oh. and they walked by Mackenzie's tomb, and, quote, were blasted back off its steps by a cold force. Another woman was later found near the tomb's entrance, unconscious, and her neck was covered with bruises as if someone had choked her. Oh, bummer. He was released. So that was the question. Did this homeless man awaken his spirit? Mm-hmm. So turn of the Mac. <laughs> the bloody <laughs> Mac. It fit there. Okay. All right. <laughs> So a couple years later, 2003. Two- oh, he returned. I get it. Thank you. Strong work. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was clever, but nobody said Good anything. Boydson got it. Boydson got it there. I joined in your singing. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> All right. So 2003, two teenagers forced their way into the tomb. And some of this part of the story, I'm not sure how much I believe because it seems a little sci-fi. They I'm, I'm here for it. It's were true. 15 and 17 years old and desecrated a male's corpse. It did not say whose. Mm-hmm. And supposedly one of them cut off the head and used it like a puppet and then drank <laughs> wine from the skull. <laughs> hey, it could happen. In my People notes, do weird things. I bet that sounds extreme. What is wrong with you, Scotland? <laughs> I don't feel like that sounds sci fi. That sounds like something that some teenagers would do. I agree, actually. People- drink wine out of a skull? A man in Japan married a Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> Stranger things have Good happened. Point. That's true. that's true so they caused thousands of dollars of worth of damage um when they were leaving a ghost tour guide because at this time they're doing some ghost tours um they found the boys carrying something in a blanket thought that was suspicious so they called the police and the boys were caught and arrested so of course the reason i'm telling that story is because the internet got a hold of it and it went nuts and the legend of the mckenzie poltergeist was born So since 1998, when the homeless man went swimming in the soup, (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Mm. over 350 ghost attacks have been reported by investigators and visitors alike. Many are documented with photos as well, to the point that this is the most well-documented poltergeist activity in the world. Well, so they said that there are um, 140 people have 
reportedly collapsed when they get too close to the tomb. So some of these photos, uh, for documentation purposes, show burns, skin gouges around the neck and the abdomen, unexplained bruises, broken fingers, (laughs) hair being pulled, being punched or kicked by an unseen attacker while in his tomb, feelings of nausea or numbness, strange smells, hearing wall and floor knocking. Um, Some have even claimed that Bloody Mac has followed them home. People report seeing white figures and hearing knocking noises all around the grave. Strange fires break out in the houses that surround the graveyard that are unexplained. Dead animals turn up near the tomb with no obvious cause of death. Lots of weird things. He's very busy. Terrorizing everyone. Yeah. So in 2000, um, a minister and an exorcist, Colin Grant, decided to go and perform an exorcism on the graveyard. So the exorcist uh, was in the middle of doing his thing and reported that he was overcome by the sensation of being surrounded by hundreds of tormented souls and evil spirits. He began to fear for his life, so he left, saying that the evil was too powerful for him alone to overcome. And a couple weeks later, he was found dead of a sudden and unexpected heart attack. Hmm. Nobody has tried to exercise the graveyard since. (laughs) So the doors (laughs) to uh, the tomb do remain locked. You can't get inside of it, but like I said, you can go on tours around the cemetery. Some theories say that the hysterical energy that is around that area feeds the poltergeist activity. Some people believe that Bloody Mac feels bad about his actions and he's haunting the area, which that doesn't make sense to me. Seems counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you feel bad, why are you haunting it? Yeah. He would find like, here's $5. Yeah. I found this on the ground. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Here you go. Yeah, nice. Sorry, ghost. sorry for killing all those people and torturing them. Here's five dollars. <laughs> Pheromones. Have you guys ever heard this used for explaining poltergeist activity? Pheromones. Pheromones. Like what we excrete in our skin. Yes. Uh, no. So this is one of the theories that I just thought it was unusual, so I had to talk about it. Okay. Some say that because there was a lot of history at this place and there was a lot of mass panic there, that when they died, they released their pheromones mm-hmm. <laughs> and when mac was awoken i'm gonna put those in quotes he imprinted those pheromones onto the area and so now when people oh, come gosh. through those pheromones are reactivated and we experience the paranormal activity now if yeah, listen <laughs> Explain i to me how that works i am a, a major believer i believe in a lot of things i believe in things that a lot of people don't believe in but that is a stretch i don't i don't understand the science behind it well what was your story about the ghost farts <laughs> what you know what I'm talking about? The picture that it looks like there's farts coming from the earth, like mm, yes, gas. Yes, the candles. It was the candles. <laughs> it was the can. Yeah, you see, it's just wisps of light that you see. But they were, oh. they were, uh, photo, not photographed. They were depicted as little farts. <laughs> okay, <It's> pheromones. <laughs> that was the pheromones I was going for. Next time we go um, investigating, I'm going to go to the place and be like, mm-hmm, I can feel the pheromones. <laughs> they are reactivating into me. <laughs> The ghost farts. Please do. Are very active. I will. 100%. I, do. I will do it on a private investigation. I can do it publicly. <laughs> but that is my story of the most well-documented paranormal activity in Scotland. Good job. And I marked that off my list because I had it on my to-do list. Did you? I did. I kept thinking, this sounds familiar. When I was researching, I was like, has one of us talked about this? I feel like we've talked about this. Should I spin? Mm-hmm. Yes. Hmm. 
The suspense is killing me. <laughs> it's me. It's Poison. It's you. It is me. Um, we're going to go to Mexico. Mexico. I love Mexico. <laughs> About four hours north of Mexico City is a small town called Guanajuato. That sounded perfect. That sounded beautiful. Thank you. So while it has great views of the surrounding mountains and rows of cute little pastel houses, this is not why tourists flock here. Flocking for ghost hunting? (laughs) Spring break trip next year to the ghosters. (laughs) The ghosters. (laughs) Honestly, that sounds like my idea of spring break. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we're still going to Mexico, but we're just hunting ghosts instead of Hunting for seashells. I mean, that's what we do. <laughs> seashells. <laughs> seashells. That's what we do. Yeah. Like going to the beach. I don't know. Yes, Listen. I got you. I like seashells. <laughs> I do too. We can take one day off. Do that. <laughs> one day away from the coast. No, it's for a totally different reason. So in 1833, there was a cholera outbreak. And as a result, a lot of people died. Cholera will do that to you. Bummer. Cemeteries filled quickly. <laughs> I don't know that. that was terrible. It will do that to you, yeah. It, it'll get you. It'll get you. Thank you for your input. <laughs> that was terrible. I'm so sorry. Okay. So the cemeteries filled quickly, and as they ran out of room, they had to make difficult choices. A burial tax. Oh, this is like the plague. See? Mm-hmm. I said plagues. Plagues are... Mm. Plagues are Brain. rough. Yes. <laughs> plagues are rough. <laughs> Indeed. What do you do with the bodies? I don't know. Put them in a a hole and make some soup. (laughs) Build things on top of it. Flesh soup. Flesh soup. Yes. Mm -hmm. Flesh soup. (laughs) Uh, A burial tax was enforced where families were then required to pay to keep their loved ones buried. Oh, don't like that. Once they couldn't pay, the bodies were to be disinterred and reburied outside of town in a common grave. Seems like you're stirring up lots of trouble by digging up bodies and moving them. Interesting you say that. Thank you. So the first body, that of Dr. Remiglia Leroy, was dug up in 1865, and to everyone's astonishment, it was very well preserved. Officials were so impressed that they decided to keep it. <laughs> For what purpose? Huh. Well, we're going to get to that. Okay. okay. Over time, more and more... Families couldn't pay, so more and more bodies were exhumed, and several were found to be naturally mummified. The bodies were collected and stored in an ossuary beneath the cemetery, in case the families were ever able to pay to have them reburied. Word got out, and people got curious, and cemetery workers started to charge a small fee to show the locals. This eventually led to an actual museum called El Museo de las Momias, or... The Museum of the Mummies. The Mummies. Is this a mummy story? Yep. We've never talked about mummies. So this is where over mummy. 100 <laughs> mummies was waiting for you. are still on display today, allowing visitors to come face to face with death. Oh my. It's one but of their taglines. Uh, not like you're going to die kind of way. Right. <laughs> no, it's like Literal this is what's going to happen to your body. Uh, if I would you're totally lucky. go see if a mummy lucky. museum. Yeah. Numerous mummies of various sizes are on exhibit, including several infants, a man who was stabbed to death, one who drowned to death, and a woman who was buried alive. (sighs) She had some kind of illness that made her heart appear to stop on several occasions. During one of these incidents, her heart appeared to stop for over a day, so thinking she had died, she was buried. 
Didn't you, when you did Buried Alive, wasn't one of the girls in Mexico? Yes, it was, but it was like a younger girl. I so remember it may that. have been that. I don't know. Wouldn't that be fun if it was? Ooh, Inception. Yes. Mumception. Mm-hmm. Mummy story within a mummy story. Mm-hmm. So when her body was eventually <laughs> disinterred, she was found face down, biting her arm with Aww. a lot of blood in her mouth. Oh, poor thing. Some mummies are still wearing parts of their clothing in which they were buried. The collection also includes the smallest mummy in the world, or at least that's what they claim. And it's a fetus from a woman that was six months pregnant who died of cholera. And they took the baby out? They did. Yes. They are, if you're curious, if that makes you sad, they're on display together. So they're still together. No, I was thinking like, is that common practice? I don't know. I don't want to think too much on it. (laughs) You're not in the 1800s dying of cholera, so I think you're okay. Most notable, though, is the expressions on many of their faces. Mm. The mouths of the mummies are wide open, appearing as though they are forever screaming. This, of course, led to folklore claiming that the cholera victims had to be hastily buried to help control the spread of the disease, but many were buried too soon, and the facial expressions were due to the person screaming as they died. Or because their flesh pulls back. Mm-hmm, that's their what I was mouth. thinking. Right? They probably didn't like sew their mouth. Like nowadays, we sew their mouth shut, right? Oh, I don't know. I hope not. That's, that's what I think. I think, I think so, they sew because their otherwise your, your flesh starts to pull away from your teeth. They do it like inside the mouth and like. And it looks like your mouth starts opening mm-hmm. wider. Sew, their eye, sew the eyes shut too. Mm-hmm. Right. So today, however. <laughs> But yes, I see Either what you're way, saying. Like, yeah. Back then, they probably were not be going through all of the rites yes. like that. <laughs> they were just dumping the bodies because it's a plague. Well, yeah. Right. So today, most Terrifying. people believe that their disturbing facial expressions are simply the result of the post-mortem process. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Good job. <laughs> Obviously, dead bodies on display instantly leads to claims of hauntings, especially because these bodies were disturbed and some might argue disrespected as they were taken from their final resting place Mm -hmm. and put on display (laughs) and put on display. But the families didn't like that. There have been reports of voices, whispers, and babies crying throughout the empty museum. Unexplainable footsteps and shadow figures are also a common occurrence. And the ghost of a lady is also said to roam the museum, and some believe it's the spirit of Ignacia Aguilar, the woman that was buried alive. Oh, well, she has every right to be pissed. She does. And that is the story of the mummies of Guanajuato. Let's go to the mummy museum. The Mummy Museum. Mummy, 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 mummy. mummy. (laughs) I love it. I mean, it's disturbing. Yes. I can see how those facial expressions would be extremely disturbing, especially if you see a whole bunch of them lined up. (laughs) There are pictures. Yeah. um, I should have made a PowerPoint, but I didn't. But there's pictures. And one of the is this like tiny child, like, I don't know, maybe two or three. And they're sitting upright. And it's just got this like hollow eyes and this screaming face. And it's just really spooky. Yeah, I'm assuming that they've like done things to help preserve the bodies now. They're in glass cases. I don't know. I think so. They're underground. The actual cemetery is on top of this museum. Oh, So they're still in a cold, dark spot. Oh. We have to go to the underground mummy museum. This is very spooky. It's just a four-hour bus ride north of Mexico City. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll set that up. Okay. Should we spend to see who goes last? Uh, it's me. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> 
All right. Well, I am going to take you back to October 1896. I'm going to tell you about a 23-year-old woman named Elva Zona Heaster. Where's Elva at? Does Elva. she have a keister? Elva <laughs> Zona Keister. Yes. Well, I she bet she never heard that. <laughs> actually went by her middle name, Zona. Zona. Okay. Yes. Uh, she was living in Greenbrier County, which was a rural area in West Virginia. I was thinking another country with that last name. <laughs> <laughs> nope. So nope. I was like, where's she at? West it's Virginia. melting pot, Lindsay. We can have all sorts of last names. <laughs> very true. Well, one day in her tiny little town in Greenbrier County, a man named Edward Shue just randomly showed up into town. He was tall, dark, and handsome, and he caught the eye of several people in town mm. because he was dashing. Good looks, you know. That tall, dark, handsome. Yeah, it'll get him. So, of course, Zona was interested being single. She was like, yeah, I'm going to date this guy. Zona's mother, though, she could tell something was wrong from the get-go. She got bad vibes, if you will. Just kind of knew something was not right. Edward claimed to be 29 years old, but looked much older. He was also telling stories about himself that seemed to be completely untrue and just bragging about himself constantly. Despite her mother's disapproval, Zona and Edward eloped after just a month of dating. Mm, wow. Zona's yeah. Staking her claim. Yeah, they really went for it. <laughs> and for the first few weeks, everything seemed totally fine. But January 19, or excuse me, January 1897, so just three months into their marriage, Edward went off to work one morning as usual. But uh, what wasn't usual is that he stopped at his neighbor's house first and he asked their 11 year old son, Andy, to run an errand for him. He said that Zona wasn't feeling well that morning and couldn't deliver the eggs to the town store like she normally would. He asked Andy to deliver the eggs and to please check up on Zona. Edward then went to work and returned to the neighbor's house throughout the day four more times to make sure that Andy had run the errand. He was getting more and more angry each time because Andy had not run the errand yet. Damn it, Andy. Andy, come on, ma'am. But he finally was like, okay, I'm going to go, right? I better go. <laughs> so he went over to the shoe's house and he was doing what he was told to do. He was looking for the eggs, but there were no eggs to be found. Mm. And this was unusual because chickens lay eggs every day. <laughs> <laughs> do Thank chickens you. lay eggs though? <laughs> every morning, apparently. <laughs> Did you Google that? No. Okay. That was part of the story. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like that's true. Oh, yeah. I believe it. I think they normally have their daily chores they have to go out. Yeah, the so chickens. He no, noticed getting the eggs. <laughs> it, things were off. That was the point. He was supposed to get these eggs that Zona couldn't get, and the eggs weren't there. Okay, so the it's like somebody it. already got the eggs. The she ghost. ate the eggs. Yeah, no, I was thinking the ghost got the eggs. <laughs> no, she's got salmonella because she ate the eggs. Ooh. And that's why she's ill. That's an interesting guess. Thank you. Well, you salmonella shall see. hit fast. It did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Andy, he decided to go into the house and see if he could find these eggs because Edward was very persistent about him picking up the eggs. Um, he it was an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> he he was Easter on a hunt. hunt. <laughs> go find the eggs. It was not going well for Andy, darn it. <laughs> so he, wa he helped himself into the house. 
the door was unlocked. He went in and he said that the house was completely silent and Zona was nowhere to be found. He also said the kitchen was cold and empty like it had not been used all day. Then he decides to keep walking in the house um, and he walks into the dining room and there's where he found Zona laying in the middle of the floor. Her eyes were open, but they were blank. Her mouth was wide open and her head was turned slightly to the side. Andy decided to touch her arm just to make sure she wasn't alive. And he noticed immediately that she was ice cold. He knew right away she was dead and he ran straight home. Why would you send a child to go find the body? She didn't just (laughs) Zona out. I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you put it like that, I think she did. No, no. Zona out. She she gone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The puns are endless. Always. (laughs) So he ran home and Andy and his mother, they went to Edward at his work. And Edward started screaming hysterically, ran home immediately, and the rest of the workers there were concerned, and they were the ones who notified the town coroner, Dr. Knapp. When Dr. Knapp arrived at the house, he found Edward and Zona's corpse upstairs in the master bedroom. Oh, he moved Zona. Um, weird. Yeah. He was found cradling her body and sobbing hysterically, which was kind of strange the way he was behaving. Um, But also, like you mentioned, he moved the body. Mm -hmm. Zona was also noted to be dressed in a stiff high-necked gown with a random scarf tied around her neck. Is that different from how Andy found her? I don't know if that part was different, okay. but it was unusual. Well, let me let me get the next sentence. Okay. And we'll, so uh, Edward did tell the doctor that he dressed her okay. in her favorite clothes so that she could be buried in her favorite clothes. Edward, so he ran we're home, not there yet. Dressed her. Yes, exactly. And put this scarf around her neck. Um, and people did think that was weird because yes. they said she was a, a always well-dressed and her clothes matched and this scarf was very... Obviously not part of the outfit. The doctor noticed this was weird, but he didn't do much about it. And Edward was acting weird when the doctor tried to examine the body, especially the neck. So the doctor just kind of gave up trying. He was like, I can't okay, do this anymore. Dr. Knapp, stop it. You don't <laughs> give up. This, I don't know. He did. He gave up. Um, the official cause of death was... Uh, endless fainting, which is what they called heart attacks during that time. How do you come up with the cause of death if you have not examined the body? That's a great question. (laughs) Even like, okay. You just write down what you just, it's a guess at that point. Hmm. I have not been able to see her body because she's dressed, but I'm going to say heart (laughs) attack. She's fully dressed. Even though she's young. (laughs) Yes. I have questions for Dr. Knapp. And his license. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I don't know what the licensing procedure yes. was back then. Back in but... the 1800s in West Virginia. <laughs> um, at the funeral, Edward was still acting strange. He would not allow anyone to get too close to the body, including Zona's mother. Mm. He propped her- Zona's head up on a pillow because he wanted to, quote, make her more comfortable. Right? Even though she was already dead. But everyone there noticed that her head looked kind of loose. From the rest of her body. I don't I like that. 
Even after Zona was buried, her mother just felt like something was wrong. So she began to pray for a sign and for somebody to answer these questions about what really happened to her daughter. She's decapitated, isn't she? A few weeks after the funeral. (laughs) I just got it when you said loose from the body. She's lost her mind. (sighs) She's lost her head. He was cradling her. Okay. Mm -hmm. He was. A few weeks after the funeral, (laughs) Zona's mother woke up in the middle of the night and saw a bright light at the foot of her bed. She said that that light began to take shape, and then she realized that it was her daughter right there in in front of her. She said Zona visited her mother three more times and allegedly told her the story of how she died. According to Zona's mother... Zona said that she had cooked dinner dinner for her husband the night before her body was found, and that Edward became enraged that Zona did not make any meat for their meal. And so he reached out and strangled her and squeezed until her neck snapped between her first and second vertebrae. Mm. Mm -hmm. Then Zona turned her head 360 degrees. Oh, no, Zona. As a ghost. To show that her head was not attached. <laughs> Exorcism style. <laughs> and that was the last time she showed herself That's to her That's kind of mean to do to your mom, That though. is terrible to do to your mom. <laughs> like, you, don't, you don't have to show your mom how you died. She knows you're dead. You don't have to prove that you're dead. Mom, watch this. <laughs> Look what I can do. <laughs> oh, poor mom. I want to show you something that I do. <laughs> There's a TikTok that does that. Okay, I've got ideas. All right. Anyways, oh Zona's mother, she went into the county prosecutor and to Dr. Knapp and approached them both <laughs> about her visions that she had seen. Dr. Knapp went ahead and admitted that he did not thoroughly examine the body because Knapp. Edward kept bursting into tears. So they decided to reopen the case and exhume the body. And this totally enraged Edward. So Nobody red cares, flags Edward. everywhere, right? When if they he was smart, he would have had her cremated. I don't know. Do they do that? I guess they just bury bodies in soup. So why not cremate? <laughs> We're learning lots about bodies today on a paranormal episode. Who knew? <laughs> so much to learn. <laughs> well, it turns out though, when they examined her neck, this is going to be shocking. It was broken. They noticed black and blue marks all around her neck, and also noticed that her windpipe had been crushed. Biggest thing, though, that they saw was that her neck had been snapped between the first and second vertebrae. So crazy. Her visions were correct. That does not sound like a heart attack. It does not. I'm no doctor. Endless fainting. (laughs) (laughs) Edward was then charged with murder and taken into custody. Only then did things start coming out about Edward. It turns out, though, his real name was Erasmus. No, don't like that name. And he was actually 35 years old, which I find rude because they said he looked way older than 29. (laughs) It's only six years. Come on. Maybe he looked rough for his age. I don't know. Also, they found out, though, that he had been married twice before. His first wife left him, and it was well known throughout the town that he regularly beat his wife. Mm. His second wife mysteriously died about eight months after they were married, and he admitted that Zona was his third wife and also that he wanted to be married seven times in his lifetime. <laughs> He's just making his way. Well, he was yeah. on track. He was on track. He's well, actually, however, the life expectancy was a lot lower then. So maybe that's why he needed to speed things up. Yeah. It was like three months in, I yeah. guess. He couldn't wait for the salmonella from the eggs. <laughs> <laughs> that would have taken way too long. Uh, once the trial started, Zona's mother took the stand and 
told her testimony about the dreams that she had had. They thought they would break her and make people think that she was crazy, but really right. did the opposite. And everybody was like, oh, well, ghosts are real. Turns out it's true. Edward, on the other hand, took the stand and made a complete fool of himself and couldn't answer anything correctly. He just looked like a total idiot. Oh, Edward, never take the stand. The jury, they found him guilty. Shocking. And he was sentenced to life in prison. Typically, in this time period, if somebody was found guilty of murder, they would be sentenced to death. But the fact that the judge gave him life in prison enraged a bunch of the locals. A mob was created, and they decided that they were going to go into the prison and hang him themselves. Luckily mm. for Edward, though, the mob was disbanded before this could happen. And three years later, Edward died in prison in West Virginia State Penitentiary from an unknown epidemic. I was going to say, he was only in his 40s. That is correct. Wow. And this was pre-flu. Before the Spanish flu. Yeah. That, this was one of the first times where a ghost testimony has ever been taken Seriously. Seriously, in a case. That's what I was going to say. Like, I would think that they wouldn't admit that into court because it's like a oh, dream. They did. They did. Yeah. But that's why they couldn't give him uh, the death penalty. There's some speculation on, mm. did that happen? But they were pretty sure. So they went ahead and gave him life in prison. But there you go. That is the story of the Greenbrier ghost. Fascinating. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Zona. Thank you, Zona, for what? For telling her mom. her story. Okay. For (laughs) giving the exorcist display. (laughs) I'm glad it wasn't Salmonella. Yeah, that would... Well, they both kind of suck. But, I mean, I feel like being strangled and having your windpipe crushed might be sucky, too. I I feel like that's way worse than dying of food poisoning. (laughs) You would die a slower death with food poisoning. True. Less painful. I had to be hospitalized with Salmonella once. Cake batter. I was going to mm-hmm. say, was it really? Were you eating raw eggs? <laughs> it was cake batter, yeah. Interesting. <sighs> Do you still eat cake batter now? No. I don't eat anything raw, especially if it has eggs in it. I thought that I was an urban legend. It's it's for real. <laughs> I, I, am I a, thought salmonella was an urban legend. <laughs> from, from cake batter. You know, most people that I tell that story to, they think that. They're like, no, that's not true. I was right. like, no, it's absolutely true. No, you'll hear. It's one of those things you hear that could be true. And you're like, eh. That'll never I'll happen do it to anyways. Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I live a risky life. What can I say? <laughs> I was going to say, I love to eat cake batter. <laughs> not anymore. They have cake batter without eggs. Uh-huh. And, and cookie dough now, yeah. now without mm-hmm. it. It's not as good. No. no. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in this week to our paranormal episode and learning all about bodies. Yeah. We, we had, had a lot to talk about. Lesson. <laughs> we had a theme. <laughs> uh, you can always find us at thetipsyghost.com and find our socials linked from there or send us an email at thetipsyghost at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star rating and a great review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We really appreciate it and it really does help. Thanks so much. We will see you guys next week. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.